0: How can short-term missions trips for leadership training lead to deep, long-term relationships? We'll talk about that and more. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 199 with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Welcome to the Engaging Missions
1: Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. We provide ways for you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. This week, we're going to be talking about leadership training, building relationships, submitting to local leaders, and more, including one key thing you should ask yourself before you ever add a new destination or partnership. I do also want to mention that our guest has his own podcast, and he recently launched a new or a second podcast called From the Forefront. He's going to share a little bit about that in a few minutes. I also want to welcome Rex and Nathan, who recently liked our Facebook page. If you'd like to do that yourself, you can visit facebook.com slash engagingmissions. And we also have an email newsletter. You can subscribe to that at engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. I do share some things there that I don't necessarily share anywhere else, including a recent prayer request. So for those of you who took the time to pray for Curtis, I just want to say thank you. There's a lot going on with the translation work, and I want to thank you for taking time to pray for that. With that, we're going to go ahead and transition right to our time with Scott. All right. Today, I am so excited to have with me Scott McClelland. We're going to be, hes he's been on the show before. In fact, you might recognize his voice because many times Scott is the announcer voice for the Engaging Missions show. He was first on the show about two years ago now at this time. And we've kind of become friends over the miles. I kind of keep up with what he's doing with FX Missions. He kind of keeps up with what I'm doing as far as the Engaging Missions show but today, we're going to be focusing a little bit on short-term missions. This is part of our series on short-term missions, and Scott leads a lot of short-term trips. So I'm bringing him on as an expert to talk to us. So welcome, Scott. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you so much, Brian. It's great to be back, and it's always been a joy working with you guys and, and, and seeing what the Lord is doing and encouraging missions and getting people you know, activated by your efforts. So no, thanks for having us back. It's, it's always a joy.
0: Oh, thank you. And it is it is totally my pleasure. Now, I would imagine that there are probably a few people listening right now that didn't listen to that first couple of episodes that we've done with you. So would you mind sharing in just maybe a couple of sentences what it is that you're doing with FX Missions, what's going on?
1: Sure. It's, it's, we, we hope we're doing something worthwhile. Of course, the Lord encourages us on that front, and we look for fruit. But we do short-term work, mostly. As we mature, I think that'll change, and we'll see some more midterm and long-term work that results from FX missions. We hope Mm. to send some people to the foreign field for more than the typical 10 day trip that we've been doing over the last 10 years or so. Yeah, we're doing primarily short-term work. We work primarily in Latin America, a little bit of work in East Africa and just getting started in Thailand. Well, so yeah, most of our stuff's based on relationships. So it's, we're not we're not just looking for context to work in, but we're more looking for relationships to work in, and so we're thankful to to the Lord for the goodness He's bestowed upon us with the vision to do this, and hopefully we're being an encouragement to folks. I think primarily what we do as FX Missions we do leadership training, so we're training young leaders who are in foreign context, you know, in in basic premise. Of leadership and leadership activation. And also we're hoping and seeking to be an encouragement to missionaries who've been sent out of their, you know, normal context into a foreign environment. We're hoping to encourage them in what they're doing and stand with them for the fruit that God's promised and planted in their hearts as a vision.
0: That's, that's great. And, you know, as we look to you as our expert this week, we're going, to be, <laughs> we're going to be focusing some on that relationship, on those long-term relationships that come out of short-term trips. But before we do that, I just kind of want to do a couple things right off the bat. One thing I'm wondering is, from your experience, how have you seen short-term missions have a positive impact in people's lives?
1: <laughs> well, that's, a I would say, a loaded question. I yeah. like the question, but, but I, and I appreciate you. You know, thinking about that, because I think we do have to examine and look at those things. I'd like to say, first of all, I don't consider myself any kind of expert. You know, I've <laughs> I've been doing this a little less than 15 years. And so, I mean, even if I'm doing after I'm doing it 35 years, I want to I want to look at this as a student would as someone who's learning and not someone who who knows it all. Obviously, I've learned a few things. And so, I just want to put that out there, right up front. And I'm not just saying that; I really am hoping to be learning. And that's one thing short-term missions has meant to me is is an education. In all honesty, I think that's when people are sent in typical short-term environments. People are, you know, you assemble a small team. Maybe it's a it's associated with a church or a, or maybe a, a Christian school or a ministry school or something like that. These people get together who, in general, they know each other. They assemble their team. They have someone who's planning. Maybe there's a ministry opportunity that they have that's overseas or just across a near border or something. So they plan and prepare and and strike out and get on the ground, and they have a lot of anticipation and those kinds of things. Anyone who's been on a short-term trip is probably relating very closely to what I'm saying right now. Yeah. So... I've seen that be real, real, real impactful, especially to the team who goes. In typical short-term missions work, 80% of the impact is on the people who are conducting the short-term mission and on the people who are participating in a foreign context. That's kind of counterintuitive, and I think it's probably not how short-term missions are sold, (laughs) But, you know, we're going to go save the, you know, fill in the blank. And that's, you know, I'm I'm all about motivation. Obviously, there needs to be a motivational element in order for us to overcome the human inertia associated with whatever we're currently doing or not doing. (laughs) But, yeah, for me, I've seen that be huge for people who are going on short-term work. And when a relationship results from it, it certainly can be huge in a more ongoing sense of the word.
0: Yeah. So so you mentioned a little bit about how this can impact the lives of the people that are going and I I would definitely say that that can really be a positive impact that comes out of oh, yeah. this. I'm also thinking that there are probably some things that as a whole we could do better. Is there maybe one or two things that we could typically do better in terms of short-term missions?
1: Well, I, yeah, there's there's a few that come immediately to mind in my experience. And and you know, I've been I've been conducting participating in conducting, supervising, and sponsoring short-term work over the last 15 years or so. So I've been really trying to understand the process. And so I, uh, it's been a challenge. Yeah. I think a couple of the things that we can do to help us when it comes to short-term work is to develop or exercise before we go some cultural awareness and cultural sensitivity, you know a lot of times we go somewhere we don't know the language we don 't know the customs we don 't know the normal life we don 't know the rhythm of life for the place we 're going, and we're unknowingly to us we are more or less a export of our culture, so we 're bringing a lot of stuff right. in. That smells like where we come from, but we don't realize we have a scent in our clothes. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So getting some cultural awareness, getting some familiarity with the history, maybe even some familiarity with the history as it relates to the context we're coming from and the location where we're going. If we can get some familiarity like that and some cultural awareness, you know, what what's offensive? As an example... What is offensive about showing the bottom of your foot to someone
0: hmm.
1: in the United States? What do you mean? You know, yeah. but if you go into if you go into an Islamic environment and you show someone the bottom of your foot, it's extremely offensive. It's wow. on the bo- you know, it's parallel to being <laughs> you know anything we could think of that would be offensive in the United States. So that's what I'm talking about: cultural awareness. Just get some awareness of what's offensive in the culture. You know. And that way you can try not to be unnecessarily offensive and not realize it. I have only say this because I've made the, those kinds of mistakes and didn't find out till some kind soul pulled me aside later and said, hey, man, don't show the bottom of your foot to someone, you know, something like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I think that that's important.
0: And you had mentioned the, the value of relationships, and that's, that's one of the things that we're going to be focusing on. Part of the reason I thought of you was because of the series that you'd been doing on your, on your own podcast, the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment, about how you'd been talking with people who have been involved in leadership training with you now for years. And I'm wondering, could you share with us maybe a story of something that God has done in your life because you've been focusing on these long-term relationships?
1: Well... <laughs> There's getting my arms around just maybe breaking out one thing there might be difficult. But, you know, it's one of the the kind of values, if you will, of foundational missions is to not go somewhere on our short term campaigns that we're not committed to going back Mm. and not to work with someone that we're not committed to working with long term. Now obviously we don't I don't live in Nicaragua. I've been many many times in Nicaragua. But the people I met on my first trip to Nicaragua, some of those people are still part of our ongoing work and we continue to go back to that same person, to that same leader in that same town and we we continue to support them and be an encouragement to them and send them, you know, what we can in terms of teams and support and that kind of stuff. So for me the relationship aspect and this is Probably somehow it's a value of mine personally. So it it translates into the foundational missions work. But that ongoing relationship helps us realize something that very scriptural. Romans chapter 1, Paul said, I long to visit you because I want to impart to you a spiritual gift to the end that you would be established. Hmm. And we think about, wow, you know what, Paul's coming. You know, just think about if the Apostle Paul was coming to your town, you know? I mean, that'd be like, well, okay, pretty (laughs) awesome. I think about my early rounds of receiving missionaries into the context of a very small town, very rural, East Texas where I was raised. We received missionaries from time to time. And I just thought, man, the Lord's really honoring me to have these people come in to my life, come in. And, you know, it's like the Lord's sending this guy to me. I was thinking about it in those terms. So we think about the Apostle Paul comes, he's going to, I want to see you. I've been writing to you. I've been sending messages to you. I've been sending word to you, but now I'm coming. And the reason I want to do that is to impart to you a spiritual gift. I want to impact your life in a way that will establish you in your faith. He goes on to say, what is this impartation? It's the mutual encouragement of both of us on the other. So it's not—a lot of times we think about impartation, we're thinking about a one-way street. But he goes on to explain it in a way that is really the real definition. Yeah. This impartation is something that's happening between me and you and the Spirit of the Lord. We're all being enriched, and it's mutual. So that mutual thing, I think, in the relationship cultivation that I've had in the foreign context has helped me realize— that impartation and my faith being established is part of what I experience, not just something that I give when I'm in that foreign context like Paul was describing. Yeah. I'm enriched and I'm being enriched and we're all better off for that. That's the re- As I've grown in relationship, I've come to see and understand that and I've come to participate in it and thank God for it. Man, that that's deep because
0: I know at least the first couple of times I went on a short-term trip, I thought that I was taking something to give, even though, you know, pastors, they tell you you're going to give and receive. It, sometimes it just takes that first time to go, oh, wait a minute. I'm not as wealthy in quotes as I think I am. I'm not as loaded up with all these amazing blessings. I'm not God's <laughs> gift to this people so much as we're his gift to each other. That That's yeah. just really deep. I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Well, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. I think that to me has become very real. And it's only because You know, I've worked through and had the opportunity to work through some of the, you know, something other than the occasional visitor (laughs) kind of relationship with people over years. So that I think when we're on a short-term trip, a lot of times, and especially if it's the only time we've been somewhere or the only time we go somewhere, we're seeing a different kind of environment than, you know, is normal for that person. So if we want to get behind the veneer a little bit if you will we're going to have to develop that relationship and you know show that we're committed to the individual committed to the person
0: yeah and that's a that's a beautiful image getting behind the veneer because we we're, we're so attuned to the idea of putting up a mask or putting up a wall and making ourselves look like something else but it takes that long term relationship sometimes to get down to where things are real. And I don't mean real in the sense of fake authenticity or fake transparency or right. you know, just putting all your stuff out there, but just being real, not only about the challenges, but also about the reality of God in our lives and what we've seen him to, to do. Because, you know, it, you can't always get there in one or two days or a couple of weeks even.
1: Right. Very true. Very true. I, I really thank God for, you know, the insight or really, I think the direction and instruction that he gave me early on in this process, and I've seen it be something that has been fruitful. I think I re- one of the early encounters that I had in short-term missions. We were as you do—you go to the airport and you have a tearful goodbye with everybody, all your new friends that you just met. Yeah, you know, I was I was at the airport. We're about to walk through security, and one of the young people from the the people who had received us. You know, one of the young people turned to me and said, don't forget me. Oh. And I I was speechless because it it did two things to me. It said to me that this person wasn't sure that I would never forget them, you know. And it also kind of reverberated to me that probably that this wasn't the first tearful goodbye of type that this person had had at the airport yeah. and had had with someone who had forgotten them. So I was just penetrated by that, and I never forgot it. And hopefully, and I haven't forgotten that person either. That would have been 15 years ago, very likely. And I've been in touch, you know, in the last six months with that person. So
0: <laughs> hopefully, wow. hopefully that, that's thank powerful. you, Jesus.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was a locator. I mean, I felt super located. Not that I was like in not that i was thinking that hey i'm going to forget this person i was thinking hey i'm never going to forget you but i also was caught by the fact that if i wasn't intentional about the relationship you know the distance would would definitely introduce space and distance would introduce maybe a loss of something that the lord himself had begun and started wow that that's 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 a lot to think over
0: I think with that, we'll, we'll go ahead and take a quick break. I know that I'm going to need to think about this for a minute. When we come back, we'll, we're going to continue talking about relationships and sort of what, what God's been showing you and how you approach it.
1: Hey, Scott McClellan with FX Missions. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. We also wanted to let you know about our Leadership Moment podcast. It's a weekly 10-minute podcast where we focus on leadership ideas, concept, and inspiration and offer interviews often with those who are stepping out and taking action. Leadership moment. Check us out at fxmissions.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot.
0: All right, we're back with Scott McClelland. As we were talking in the last section, one of the things that really struck me was the comment from the, the person that he was leaving saying, don't forget me. And Scott, as, as I'm thinking about that, you know, you, you'd also mentioned that you don't want to go places where you're not willing to go back, but obviously you're one person or you're a team of people, if you will, you can't go everywhere. There are needs and desires and everything all over the world. How do you, do, do you have a story that maybe illustrates how you choose where to go?
1: Yeah, I, uh, yes, I do have a, what, you know, it's a challenge, right? And, yeah. And there is a limit to what any person can do, what any team can do, what any denomination can do, what any group can do. So, you know, that, that assures we're going to be making some decisions. You know, what am I going to do to decide how to spend my time in life and my spare time or my spare money or whatever it is? Mm. I, I completely get that. And I go through that routinely. I'm also a person who's got full-time employment, You know, I own a small business, so I'm very occupied business-wise. I've got three daughters and a wife. I'm occupied family-wise. And then I've got a missions calling, and I'm trying to manage it well as two. two. But obviously, there's an environment of scarcity. And if you're not very focused about what you're doing, you know, you get overmatched by the demand. So the story that comes to mind on that, Brian, is uh, goes back to my first time in East Africa. We made a trip to Kenya and we were there I guess for about 14 days. We were working with the guys Hydrating Humanity, friend of mine. Oh yeah. founded the organization. You they've been on the show I think. And so we we I had a team and we were doing some clean water development in 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 Kenya, rural Kenya. I would say it's an 8-hour bus ride from Nairobi up in the corner close to Lake Victoria and the Tanzanian border. Okay. So that's kind of where we were geographically. We'd been about, I guess we'd been in country about 12 or 13 days, and we were getting ready to to head out as we were sitting down collecting our thoughts, kind of getting our stuff together. The gentleman who was hosting us came to me, and he said, hey, I want to talk to you just a second. Hmm. One of the guys— at one of the springs that we just developed, he's approached me and he's telling me that you've committed to support him. Ooh. And I said, uh, "Huh? yeah, it's a young pastor. And I recognized who he was talking about. I remember the guy who had a great interaction with each other the first spring that we developed a number of springs on that two week period. But the first spring that we worked on was just outside of his little village very rural area, and I said, yeah, I remember that guy, but I don't remember committing any support to him, and I, I'm not, I'm, I was confused. I didn't get it, uh. really. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, Let me, well, something you probably don't realize, going back to the cultural sensitivity thing. <laughs> uh. If you tell someone in East Africa, in Kenya, a pastor that you're going to pray about supporting him, He can never imagine a world in which God would tell you, no, don't do that. So when you tell that guy you're going to pray about it, it's equal to a commitment to him. I said, (laughs) Uh uh-oh. So we talked about it. We continued on the conversation. And and really, this guy, our host, he spoke about six languages. He had been in the States. He had been around. He'd been in Europe. He's an African guy, but very well-traveled. And he realized— you know, kind of the thing that was developing there. And I really appreciated his frankness and coming yeah. to me because it really would have been a problem. So I said, mm, okay, well, all right. We're going to go back by that dedication of the spring or whatever it is. On our way out of town, I'm going to make a note to have a conversation with this guy just to clear things up, you know, because I, I what I said and what he heard, completely different things. Right. So I said, okay, I made. I thought through it. I I said, you know, I said, I'm going to go and I'm just going to tell the guy. Sorry, man, I I didn't mean to create expectations that I didn't realize were, you know, were being created. So I'm going to have to say sorry, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that. And on the truck ride, (laughs) a conversation ensued with the Lord. So I'm thinking about it, and I felt like the Lord was nudging me a little bit internally, you know, still small voice kind of stuff. Hmm. And I felt like the Lord was, you know, kind of locating me a little bit. And so I said, yeah, okay, well, you know, these guys are clearly in what is almost abject poverty, incredible poverty, like I'd never seen in my life. I felt like the Lord nudged me and said, you know, how how much is your coffee budget every month? Ah, uh, and I'm going. My coffee budget. Uh, yeah, I've got a figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a. I've got a figure that comes to mind. What would you think? What would you think about maybe sharing sharing that with him? Could you do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. That would, I could do that. I could. I could really do that. It hadn't come to mind, but I could certainly do it. So. Obviously, we rolled up on the place and I got out and shook hands and said, I got 50 bucks a month or I got 50 bucks every two months for your friend and it'll be here. Wow. (laughs) So my situation, this is one of the ways that I decided who and how to support someone that in my own Western perspective and in my own sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, I was unaware of what really what where i was what was going on expectations were created but in that case the lord really intervened on my behalf and for my good and yeah. woke me up and said hey you, you could you could you're you're i think i was spending 25 bucks a month on coffee and that to me was you know what would you call it? discretionary yeah it, it it was not a game changer so I was interrupted in that process by what I felt like was the Lord's spirit just saying, hey, why don't you think about doing that? So when I got out, that's the conversation we had instead of the one I was really not looking forward to having (laughs) about how I wasn't going to be able to support it. That was one of the ways that I decided (laughs) (laughs) who to support. Now, that was in 2000, 2008, and thanks and glory to God, we've been able to continue to support our brother in Kenya from that time. So wow. we've, at times it, it was a challenge. I went through a really, really rough patch in my business in 2011 and anything discretionary was, you know, almost gone. So, but we were able to make that, we've been able to increase it and we do more than that now, but thank God for it. I'm really, really thankful for that opportunity to, you know, have a contribution into a context different than my own. And I'm really thankful the Lord bumped me on that because I was going to miss the opportunity in my insensitivity that I didn't even know I had. Yeah. You, you know,
0: yeah. I, I really appreciate your perspective on that, that you were going to miss the opportunity because, you know, it's, it's my opinion that God has provision for the the vision that he's given people. And sure, sure. you just had that opportunity. I'm wondering, you shared this one where God interrupted you on a bus ride. Are there other ways that God has Highlighted people to you, or pointed you in the direction of a key partner
1: well there there are I mean most of that stuff has come in an unsuspecting way, so what I mean by that is someone would ask me to go by and visit a friend or you know in a different place, or someone would say to me, Hey, look, if you're ever in Costa Rica, look this guy up or if you if you need something when you're in central Mexico, or can you go by and say hello to my friend, I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, A lot of the opportunities that I've, you know, encountered initially were pretty well disguised. They look like something normal. I remember one time when I was working with an organization, I was working in a mission school and taking teams. And we, these guys that were kind of in the sort of in, what would you call it, at the decision level, but not the execution level. I was at the execution level. And the people at the decision level said, hey, I want you to go over here and work with these guys. And I was saying, you know what? We've already kind of got the trip planned, and here's where we're going, and here's where we're going to work with these guys. We're not going over there. I, I know you cannot imagine me saying that, Brian. No, not at all. <laughs> well, I did. Anyway, after after we were on several months out— after, we, after I thought about it, you just, I could make some changes. I could, I could actually accommodate that request. It wouldn't be that difficult to do. So, you know, I went back to the guys and I said, look, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to do it. We're going to split the teams up. We're going to send one in one direction, one in another. And I'll take the team, the part of the team that you wanted to go to a certain place. I'll take that group up there and we'll do it. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. I'm still working with the guy, that the principal guy that I met on that trip. And that was in, you know, almost 10 years ago. So (laughs) that was a well disguised opportunity that I wouldn't have found if I had persisted in being headstrong, like I started out being. So I I would just, you know, sensitivity is super important when you're, you know, out into foreign contexts and with among people that you don't know, maybe you don't know a soul in the country you go into being sensitive there. And I, That's one thing, too, that's, I think, challenging about short-term missions is you are very, you know, sensitized. Everything, all your senses, nothing's familiar. You're on high alert. You know, your eyes, ears, and, you know, your heart is wide, wide open. And that's a good thing, I think, for short-term missions. It also can be a bad thing and a challenge. You know, you get too much, and you don't have time to process it. So I would just say, you know, make, make a note. Try to see what's behind the experiences that you're having and look for the opportunities. Think about those. Take time especially to process the experience you've had in the foreign context and not just rush right back into your life because if you do, you'll miss that opportunity probably that's hiding there just inside the landscape that the Lord wants to point out to you. So uh, the processing time to, to me is really important after a short-term trip. That would be the piece of advice. You know, take a day or two, think this stuff through, make notes. You can certain, certainly journal while, while you're on a short-term trip, and you can review those notes when you get back into a more relaxed environment where you're not traveling. So th- those are some of the things that I've done, and, and they've been helpful. You know, that, that's something that
0: I've always done a really bad job of. I can't think of one trip that I went on where I wasn't back to work within one day or maybe the day after from right. returning to a trip. Exactly. Yeah and, yeah. and I do such a bad job about that. One of the things I'm wondering you mentioned early on that typically you see about 80% of the benefit of a short term trip is really in the lives of the people that are going. But what about that 20% as you've begun to develop relationships with, with missionaries all around the world? As that relationship matures, do you see any benefits in their lives as well?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, I mean, this is something that I realized, and it goes kind of to your point. I realized in my own case, and I think this would not be a testament to my readiness or usefulness, but there, I, I was probably on my 10th trip 10th short term trip before I started significant, reali- you know, observing significant impact to the people mm-hmm. I was going to. Now, in my case, I had been impacted deeply on the first 10, you know. But as as you continue to work and do that kind of work, the the balance of contribution levels out. So to me, after a number of trips and, you know, tens the number that's in my mind. It wasn't – I didn't have a big awareness on the 10th trip. But over time, I start to see the, the the more about what Paul was talking about there, about the mutual faith, the impartation be the mutual contribution, the mutual encouragement. I start to see that, you know, level out for me. And I think I always – my life mission – is to leave everyone better off than I found that person. Yeah, I want to have a contribution of blessing, encouragement, something, whatever the Lord's got in mind, whatever the grace I've got to give to that person, that's what I want to do. So, yeah, it definitely switches around. I think it certainly switches around for people who persist in their going and who persist in the relationships, you know, who keep contact with that key leader who keep contact with that person who really touched you in a certain way or you seem to have you know a lot in common with or you seem to have a lot to say to or a lot of grace in your heart love in your heart for that person that's where I think you see that balance shift and it's not a strict 80 twenty I think as you mature that balance should it should it should equalize really and and not 80 20s that is the is the one, the first time out, maybe the second time out, it's <laughs> 78, 22, <laughs> you know, but the balance sure, sure does shift, and I think, you know, one of the things that I personally encountered as a young believer in a very obscure part of the country, I, I felt like, I felt so honored when the Lord would send somebody from another country, you know, that I got to encounter, and I felt like in some times that the Lord was sending them to me, that, is an encouragement. Like Jesus said, if you give a glass of water to to, to one little one in my name, you're not going to lose your reward. So I don't want to say by the age 20 thing that we should minimize any good thing that's done. When you go across the big waters and you say to someone, hi there, I'm happy to meet you. The Lord loves you and I'm here to reinforce that reality. That. Will never lose its reward. Oh, yeah. So I really don't want to minimize that in the midst of my process of understanding what's going on.
0: Yeah, that, that's deep. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that, Scott. With that, we will take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward our listeners as we provide insights and resources for them.
1: Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show.
0: And then of course there's the benefit to to the missionary who goes over too. And that's where, you know, as I go over to Africa, I get that real strength of face-to-face interaction with the people that I work with long term so that we we have a better communication, better understanding of where each other's heart is. You know, it's it's hard to communicate all that via distance as opposed to, you know, being able to look each other in the eye and talk for a few hours over dinner and you know, it, it's that face-to-face connection and the way that God's Spirit works as you as you connect like that. It grew my heart for mission so much. It's really something where God works on both my heart and the people that I go over to serve and He accomplishes really beautiful things just in that relationship aspect especially.
1: If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe.
0: We're back with Scott McClellan of FX Missions. He's been sharing some really good stuff about what God has done in his life and through his ministry as he's connected with and developed relationships with with missionaries and I don't want to make it sound like Scott's a rock star because this is stuff that God is doing, but this is also a way that God's been moving in his life. So we want to draw from the experiences that he has and the knowledge that God's given him. So Scott, first off, I would imagine that some people listening right now are thinking about short-term missions and maybe they're not even sure what questions they should ask themselves before they consider signing up. What would you share with somebody who's thinking about it, but they don't even really know what to ask themselves yet?
1: Wow. Well, you know, I think as you're as you're saying that, Brian, I, I think back to myself, <laughs> you know, I was that guy, you know, who was recognizing opportunity, but, you know, was tentative about engagement and wasn't sure what, you know, how to process that, how to come, how to take a look around the opportunity and see what was right for me. Obviously, there's so many options, so many people going, so many people trying to make that difference in the foreign context and that is is a blessing but it also can be a lot sometimes too much sometimes so you know i would just i would just encourage people to ask themselves let's say let's say for the person who isn't currently considering an opportunity i'd like to speak to that person first and just say hey maybe you've got a people group that the lord's really highlighted to you over your life up to this point, maybe there's an obscure people group, or maybe it's a large people group. I have a friend who works as you I think we have a common friend who works in Italy. yeah and, and for him, he recently was at a men 's gathering that I helped host, and he told us about how that happened in great detail and to me, it was another, it was another interesting story about how opportunities hide in something that looks very normal and not very remarkable. So maybe there's a person or someone who's thinking about, hey, I've always had a heart for the Italian people or mm-hmm. a Scandinavian people. I've always had a heart for people, the Mongolian people, something like this. A lot of times that those kinds of things can highlight grace from God that is being you know, hidden inside your heart, if you will, can actually be a nudge from the Lord to go check that out. So, yeah. what do you do when you have that nudge? It for me, the process is as simple as finding someone in that who's working in that context for the gospel, and finding out practically what would it take for me to have some involvement. Now, a lot of times we have a missions romanticism, <laughs> and we yeah. we we think about. I've got a calling, you know, and I'm going to go to the Muslim people and I'm going to be living. You know, we, we've we got a romanticized perspective about missions. A lot of it's very much rubber meets the road, if you will. But we don't, if we have this sense, maybe we got this people group, we, we try to find out who's working for the gospel over there in that people group. We try to find out what it is we would need to do, what kind of things we would need to accomplish, and, to be involved and then we need to go and use that trip or use that opportunity as a way to test what it is that we think that we feel Mm. because this will remove the romanticism. One trip to Mongolia, (laughs) it will never feel romantic again. It's going to feel real. It's going to feel dirty. It's going to feel long trip. It's going to feel tiring. It's going to feel a lot of things. But for many of us who have a calling to a people group, it's going to feel worthwhile. Oh, yeah. And then we get started. So that's the person I would speak to who doesn't, who's not, who maybe isn't entertaining a specific opportunity. But for those people who know, I mean, some of us are sitting there and, and we get an announcement hey, the young people are going to go to Juarez, Mexico, and they're going to do it, you know, in the summer break. For that person who's considering that, I would encourage you, if you're thinking about that, to hold it before the Lord and say, Lord, can I benefit from this and should I participate? Now, the Lord may not come thundering back from the throne with a yes. Right. You know? If he does if he does, write it down. Pack yeah. your bags. <laughs> if he doesn't, then Hold, continue to hold that before the Lord, and see how you feel. If you're feeling more of an invitation in your heart, then you know you continue to follow up on that feeling, and you can work your way in that direction. So, if you're looking at an opportunity and you don't get a thundering yes, but you feel encouraged about it and upbeat, that that's a good sign, and it's something you can act on. For those, there's a lot of people who have who are hiding missions callings in their heart because they haven't overcome if you will the the human inertia or the or the first step necessity there's a calling inside you know the lord said go into all the world and preach the gospel and there's obviously when we see that we got a neoclassical perspective, mm-hmm. and we're on the front of the the bow of a of a boat or something. We we're crossing the seas. Uh, there's a lot of work that is an obedient response to that commission that doesn't look like being on the bow of the boat or whatever else, you know. It, it, but we have to get started if we're going to follow up and follow on to know what it is that we might have to do in the nations. So my general encouragement get started. That's what I'd say.
0: Yeah. So what about money? Cuz a lot of times money becomes a sticking point for people. If they feel like sure. God's called them, but they're not clear about the finances, what's what's next?
1: Well, th- that's that's a great question. And you know, I've I've had a lot of encounters, a lot of participation, a lot of involvement certainly very much at the student level with people who were broke, <laughs> you yeah. know, who didn't have any money but had a want to. I think if you have the want to, the no money can be overcome. Uh, obviously there are practical things that could be done. You know, if you're a student and you have the oper- you have some spare time, you can get creative with it. And I've you know, obviously you've seen the youth car wash and all those kind of things, or just more practical stuff, more everyday stuff. But incorporating some tasks in your routine that you can use to raise money that's not normal, you know, it's not your normal living expense, putting those things away, that can be done. If, you know, who was it? The the great theologian, Mohandas Gandhi. (laughs) Okay. That's a joke. That's a joke. (laughs) He wasn't a great theologian, but I really appreciate the quote from him that says, action expresses priorities. In our context, there's a lot of discretionary income that we burn that we don't think about. Maybe I could be using this for something else. So I'd say, you know, look closely at what you're spending. If where grace and expectations have a relationship, right? If the Lord expects you to do something, the grace is going to be there. You'll have to participate in it. You'll have to collaborate with it, but you'll get there.
0: Oh, wow, that's, that's good. So let's turn our focus toward you and FX Missions. If somebody's listening to this and they're going, maybe God's calling me to a short-term trip, maybe FX Missions is the group I should be partnering with, what, what would you share with them about that and maybe how they, could, how they could know whether this might be a good fit for them?
1: Well, you know, we're, we're, we're thankful to hear that anybody's got a heart to work in the nation's. You know, if someone listening now is interested in doing some young leadership training in Latin America, I think we're probably very likely a fit for, for that because that's what we're doing. And I think that when you're looking, To align with anybody, you know, if you can find someone who's doing kind of what you've got in mind and kind of the context you've got, that's a place for a good start. Yeah. So if someone, if, you know, for us, we're, we're working hard to raise up the next generation to impart to them key leadership skills and key leadership qualities that they're going to need. The people we're working with typically is not the people who are already in principal leadership, so those are the kinds of targets that we have. We're mm-hmm. trying to find people who God is raising up, emerging leaders, and add our yes and amen to their to their development and to their readiness. So if someone is listening and they they that's their bag, fxmissions let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and how yeah. can we best pray for you? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of times what we suffer from is a lack of vision. You know, we we have a vision. We have something that we're working on. But I think the Lord oftentimes wants to add so much more to it. And we are working within limitations that we perceive a lot of times that aren't actual. You know, that's why the Scripture says, you know, I pray that God would open the eyes of your heart, that you would, you know, you would see things differently. So I, I would I would ask folks to pray for us that the Lord would open the eyes of our heart so that we could see what he wants us to see in the way he wants us to see it. And that we can follow on and follow up on that and be obedient. Obviously we want to have a contribution. We want to have fruit among the nations and we want that fruit to remain. So, you know, pray for us that the right people will be sent with us. The right people will be there to receive us and that through God's grace and spirit, We'll all be better off for it. That That's our hope and our prayer.
0: Wow, Scott, thank you. So f- for you who are listening, I'd like to encourage you just to pause this for a second and take that minute to pray because I know how easy it is to hear a prayer request. Think to yourself, I'm going to get this taken care of. And then you know, when you're laying down at, going to bed at night, you forget who it was that you were going to pray about. God doesn't forget. But if you want to take that moment to pray, I'd, I'd encourage you to do that now. If you'd like to connect with Scott, fxmissions.com or just stop by the show notes page. We'll have links of different ways that you can connect with him there. Scott, thank you so much. I really appreciate this.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me.
0: I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Scott McClelland for being with us today. I appreciate his friendship and also the time that he took to do this. It really means a lot to me. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Scott McClelland 2. That's Scott, M-C-C-L-E-L-L-A-N-D and the number 2. That's where you're going to be able to connect with Scott and also find links to valuable resources. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be hearing from Jenny Beth Gardner of the Transformational Education Network about how she's seen relationships grow and blossom over the years as a vocational missionary who makes short trips. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe to make sure that you don't miss that. And if you've found this valuable, please help us spread the word. Maybe there's somebody that you know who would really enjoy this or benefit from it. You might be the person that God uses to help make that connection, maybe deepen a relationship, provide some kind of valuable resource as you sow into his kingdom, and I would greatly appreciate that. You can visit the show notes page and use that to share on social media, send it to somebody in an email, mention it to somebody in a coffee shop. Just if you know somebody that might benefit from this, please let them know about it. I'd really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.